Happy day and welcome to Our Power is Within. I'm your host, Chasmith, aka Just Chaz. I am on a mission to inspire people to take their power back and realize that each and every one of us has a healer within our own self. When we can create an environment that supports healing and get out of our own way, we are truly capable of healing in mind, body, and soul. For those of you that are new to the show, welcome and thank you for being here. And for those of you that have been following along, I thank you so much for your continued support. If you would like to help me spread this message, some simple ways to do this are by leaving a review on Apple Podcast, um, a five-star rating if you feel I earn it, or sharing an episode with a friend or even one of your favorite episodes on your social media and tagging me at Our Power Is Within on Instagram. I'm really excited about this week's challenge. You'll understand why I chose this challenge when you hear the interview with our guest, Nikki, today. So the challenge for the next seven days, um, you know, maybe forever. That's the goal, right? Wink, wink. (laughs) But let's just start small and say seven days. Let's see if you can make a commitment to yourself to make yourself smile when you wake up every morning and say out loud, today is going to be a great day. So that might sound easy on the easy days, but we always have the harder days, right? And my challenge to you is can you commit to yourself to make a decision to make yourself smile and say today is going to be a great day, even on the harder days, no matter like where you're at, where how you feel, no matter what you might think the day is going to be like, just say it anyhow with a smile on your face and then do it again the next day and just notice how your day goes. Notice if you find yourself finding reasons to justify the goodness of the day. And speaking of the goodness of the day, our guest today is Nikki D'Agostino. Nikki and I talk a lot about the power of a gratitude practice and taking in the good throughout each and every day. This was an integral part of her journey. And while at first she does talk about the struggle being real, she now has this gratitude and taking in the good as a part of her everyday life and just who she is. Nikki has a powerful testimonial and a recovery story that I believe will inspire hope into your hearts. What's amazing is that she didn't only notice the benefits for herself, but her family as well. And for her one-year anniversary of DNRS, when she felt uh, recovered, she got to celebrate on her yearly vacation with her family, living up every visualization that she did leading up to it, getting to enjoy the full experience of vacation and approaching her trip with freedom. Nikki and I chat about so many things on the brain rewiring journey, the struggles, the wins, the lessons, the successes, incremental training tips, and so much more. So I do want to get into her story ASAP, but for those of you listening that might not know what DNRS is, I do want to take a brief moment to just explain Uh, DNRS stands for the Dynamic Neural Retraining System. It is a brain rewiring program to help us tap into our own healer within and heal ourselves from a variety of different limbic system um, impairment issues, uh, sometimes often otherwise known as TMS, tension myoneural syndrome um, symptoms, sometimes known as mind-body syndrome symptoms, um, 
But ultimately, at the end of the day, DNRS helps us heal from all things chronic that often we can't find the solution for in the physical realm alone. I will drop a link in the show notes for um, you to click and learn a little bit more about DNRS if it feels like something that speaks to you. So with that said, let's go ahead and welcome Nikki to the show. All right. Welcome to the show, Nikki. Thank you so much for being here with me today. Hi, Chaz. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. I'm um, so excited to just bring you on. When you reached out to me and you shared your story with me, I knew that this was a story that the listeners had to hear. It's extremely inspiring. And I feel like there's so many pieces to your puzzle that people listening will really be able to relate to. So I am really excited for them to hear all about your story. And I think that's a great place to start is just allowing you to kind of take over the floor and share um, whatever you're comfortable with sharing from your story from kind of like the beginning to where you're at today. Okay, perfect. So I would say my perfect storm started in 2016. I moved into my dream home with my two daughters and my husband. Soon after I moved into this house, I started feeling really depressed and anxious. I was confused because I just moved into the house of my dreams. I was in a very happy marriage. My daughters were healthy. I had no reason to be unhappy, but I was. So the physical symptoms appeared shortly after my emotional decline. I had headaches, rashes, fatigue, dizziness, brain fog, food sensitivity, sinus infections, night sweats, weight loss, and numbness in my hands and feet. I honestly assumed that this was due to getting older, and I ignored the symptoms until around 2018 when the rashes um, became unbearably painful. They were starting to spread, and so I was forced to seek help. After um, several failed doctor visits, um, I was referred to a functional medicine doctor by a a friend of mine. My doctor immediately suspected that my symptoms were coming from a sensitivity to mold. She recommended that we test our home. We had our home tested and discovered that there was a significant mold problem. And as a result, we moved out of our house and into an apartment. I saw immediate improvement um, with the rashes. However, all of my other symptoms remained. So my doctor recommended the dynamic neural retraining system. She said if I was planning on moving back home that I needed to retrain my brain. So in in my brain's effort to protect me from the mold, it was stuck in a trauma loop. So basically, my brain was reacting to mold that was no longer present. At first, I was very skeptical about starting the dynamic neurotraining system. It just seemed too good to be true. But I had no more options, and I was pretty desperate. I started the online program on our family vacation in California in August of um, 2019, As I began watching the program and listening to um, Annie Hopper's explanation of limbic impairment, it all became clear to me that I had actually been experiencing this my entire life. I had sensitivities to chemicals as a child, and I just, all my life, I was a worrier, and I would ruminate and overthink, and I had no idea that this was an impairment. I thought, oh, this is just my personality. So for the first time in a very long time, I was hopeful that this was the answer to my physical and emotional symptoms. I just remember sitting on the beach, watching my husband and daughters playing tag. And I just, I made a promise that day that I would follow the program completely so that I could be better for myself and for my family. The first shift that I noticed was my mood. I was smiling. I was happier. I felt peaceful. I was laughing again. I was enjoying nature. It seemed like someone turned on the lights and I was finally able to see vibrant, beautiful colors outside. I was slowing down instead of just rushing through my day. 
at the same time that I was retraining, we had a 10 month battle with the insurance company and a pretty extensive house remediation. My husband, he had to handle all of the details of the house because I had too much brain fog, but I was improving and I saw shifts. So that's why I just kept going. My days consisted of brain retraining, elevating my mood, and elevating my entire family's moods. I was determined to find the bright spot in our situation. The symptoms did slowly start to disappear. The brain fog got better. I could actually focus on what another person was saying and give them my full attention. For the first time in a long time, I was present. The rashes and headaches became infrequent and my digestion improved drastically. I had a lot more energy. Around seven months into my retraining, I decided to attend an in-person DNRS seminar. I thought maybe this will enhance my healing. I was correct because going to the in-person seminar accelerated my healing drastically. It gave me an opportunity to connect with others suffering from limbic system impairment. And honestly, meeting and talking with others validated my illness. I did have a few good aha moments of the seminar. And one in particular was Connie was giving her recovery story. And in her story, she was explaining to us how she kept trying to leave and run away from the mold. She was going from apartment to house and it didn't matter where she was. She still had the same symptoms. And I needed to hear that because I would find myself checking my environment for the cause of my symptoms when it was my brain. It wasn't anything in my environment. So after the seminar, I felt very, very close to recovery. And then a few months later in May, we moved back into our remediated home and all of my symptoms returned, every single one of them. So I knew my, I knew my house did not have mold in it because we retested it prior to the move-in. And so I knew that these were false messages from my brain. My brain was replaying an old story and I had to rewrite a new one. I came up with a lot of future visualizations of important milestones that would happen in our house with my family. And as I continued these visualizations, my symptoms calmed and eventually dissipated. I was able to settle back into my home and really experience a level of physical and mental health that I had never before enjoyed. I ended up announcing my recovery in August um, 2020. So I basically retrained for one year exactly. I never missed my daily hour of rounds. Um, and I can say that today I am definitely happier, calmer, and more grateful than I have ever been in my entire life. So I no longer have food sensitivities and I can eat whatever I want. I no longer have chemical sensitivities and I can be around my friends with perfume without any problems. I have energy to do high intensity exercise five days a week. I no longer have night sweats or hair loss. And my most recent lab work showed that I have no more signs of inflammation in my body. I also want to say I think it's important to share that my journey was definitely nonlinear. I did experience an increase in symptoms as well as new symptoms at times, but I kept my focus on the big picture. So it just so happened that my um, family vacation fell on my one year DNRS anniversary. And so all of the visualizations that I had done leading up to this vacation came into fruition. So it was so amazing to celebrate my recovery on my vacation. I was able to eat whatever I want, drink whatever I want, play in the waves in the sun all day. It was, it was pretty amazing. So that's kind of how it all came into fruition. That's amazing. It's so awesome that you experienced that in almost to a T one year. Mm -hmm. um, I know that... I know that all of our stories are unique and all of our healing uh, journeys are so unique and 
you know, some of us heal in six months, some of us take a few years and it's, there's not one size fits all, but that's definitely really awesome. <laughs> um, side note, we both started the same time. I started August 2019 um, with DNRS specifically as well, August 3rd, actually. Oh, okay. Um, I admittingly did not do all four rounds every single day without fail. <laughs> well, and that's okay um, too. <laughs> it is. So I, and it's funny, I, there's so many, I have so many notes of questions and directions to go with this, but I do want to actually ask you a question because this has been piquing my curiosity for a while now. And I want to like do a survey on it. Um, <laughs> yeah. Prior to DNRS, would you have considered, I know you mentioned that you realized you were like a worrier and that you were somebody who ruminated and overthought about things. Mm -hmm. Would you have considered yourself or do you consider yourself a, like a perfectionist? Like, were you somebody who spent your whole life very rigidly following rules, demanding perfection from yourself and putting a lot of pressure on yourself to be perfect and follow the rules or not so much? No, yes, I was definitely a perfectionist. And during my retraining, every day, a million times a day, I would say, let it go, let it go. And you didn't find any resistance in being rigid and perfect with the program? So, no. So I did one thing that I was very rigid with was the rounds because I just felt like I needed to bring in that dose chemistry. Mm -hmm. um, and so I just, I didn't let that slip. Now I wasn't perfect in other ways in my training and I, I learned to forgive myself and move on, but I was very strict with the rounds, I will say. Mm -hmm. And you didn't have any like limbic resistance to that? Um, I, I, always had limbic resistance. Yeah. I'm asking because I see a comments a lot from people, like a lot of people who kind of struggle with the, the DNRS system, like the DNRS protocol mm -hmm. is how rigid and strict it is. And I've mm -hmm. had conversations with other people too, who almost needed to take a more gentle approach just because they had already, experience so much rigidity and strictness and pressure in their life in so many other ways that that mm -hmm. almost caused a adverse reaction. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like it wasn't necessarily productive for them. So it's just really intriguing. And I love human dynamics and just kind of, I love seeing patterns and just understanding like why something might not work for one person and it does yes. for another. So, so I will say this, um, I would do my rounds first thing in the morning. I would do my hour all at once. And I did that, you know, every day for a year. And then when I announced my recovery, my coach said, okay, now let's kind of back down a little bit because I was so rigid with the rounds that I needed mm -hmm. to, to change that a little bit because in my recovery covered life, I didn't want that to be a part of my every single day. Um, and so I did have to work with feeling the reset, like working to overcome the resistance of stopping my rounds. Mm, it it yes. did take a little bit to try. So I, I would do an hour, you know, for a while after I recovered, then it was 30 minutes. And now I just do 15 minutes in the morning. I was going to ask you that. I was going to ask if you still retrained. So I do, I do one 15 minute round in the morning and I just love the way I feel after I do it. It just sets my day up with just joy. Um, sometimes if I feel like I want to do one in the evening, I will, like if I've had a really busy day, um, and I feel like I just want to be a little bit more calmed, then I'll do it. But right now it's just one in the morning. Sometimes I don't do it on the weekends. Um, I'm just trying to enjoy my recovery and just um, do what feels good. 
Absolutely. Yeah. It's so important. Um, something I did. So that's interesting. You said that your coach kind of helped you wean off of the rounds. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I very much have this experience that I'm working on with myself right now is I got to about a solid year where I did do almost every round, you know, there was a round here or there mm-hmm. that was missed and about a year, you know, I felt I I do feel when we do this work that it kind of brings us more in alignment with our, our self. I feel Mm -hmm. that I gained intuition over time and I, I felt really drawn to a few other types of tools that would also be considered essentially rewiring and retraining Mm -hmm. and healing tools, but I couldn't do it all. I couldn't do like three hours a day of all these tools. So I wanted to give myself permission to experiment and engage and do what felt really good in the moment. But I noticed because I also have spent so much of my life as that rigid perfectionist Mm -hmm. follower that I had almost in the act of being so committed for so long, Mm -hmm. I had almost developed a like a pop (laughs) for anyone listening. Who's not in brain retraining a pop means pathway to our past, which is like a limiting belief or Um, a false association or anything that doesn't serve us. And so I almost developed this, a pop to that, where there became this little voice that was like, if you don't do all four rounds, you're going to not heal. You're not good enough, you know? So I almost had to step back a little and, and take control of that brain's response and say, no, I'm still doing so many wonderful things Mm -hmm. and re kind of teach myself that I didn't have to be so rigid in that protocol. If it, if intuitively it felt like if if I felt called to something else as well to supplement, does that make sense? Yes. And that's exactly what I experienced. Mm -hmm. If it wasn't around, then it didn't count. And so I had to totally pop that pop because that's not accurate. Correct. Yeah. And I just wanted to touch on that because I'm sure there's people who may be listening that have had that experience. Mm -hmm. And something I really always emphasize is DNRS is a beautiful system and protocol for brain rewiring. It is undeniably extremely successful results, right? Yeah. But we are also unique. And I think it can be really easy to go into it, especially when we've tried when we're, most of us are at that point of desperation where we have tried everything else and this is our last hope and we want to, we have that pressure that we want to do it right because we don't want to not heal and people often in like groups and stuff will ask questions like, well, what if I can't, you know, commit to four rounds, then should I not do the program or what if I can't do it standing or using my arm? Should I not commit? And I'm so quick to say, oh my God, set yourself a goal and do whatever you can. Honestly, it's everyone can benefit from this program. And I don't want anyone to be deterred from it because of the way it appears so strict. Because I truly believe that even if somebody shows up for themselves and does two rounds a day, they're working towards healing still, you know, and absolutely. And, and that's so important, you know, because I do, I just, I want people out there listening to know if they're like, Oh, I can't make that commitment. Don't even create a pop right away that says it's all or nothing. It's not all or nothing. I agree 100% with that. It is definitely not all or nothing. And I think, yeah, I mean, you can't even really say whether or not they'll have, um, a slower healing experience because we're all just too unique to know, you know? So, no, I know. And that's, uh, uh, you know, you mentioned the time frame too. I think, like you said, we all heal at different rates. Um, time frame should not be a pop like it was for me. And when I let go of kind of like this specific timeline in my mind is when I feel like I started healing faster, if that makes sense. Like I wasn't so focused on what, what, how, how long is it? How many more days? Do you see what I'm saying? It was like, that became, I just was focused on just living a a beautiful life. Yes, absolutely. And it's funny because a lot of us, I've, I've seen this too, is that, you know, they, Annie asks you to make that six month commitment. And Mm -hmm. I know that a lot of people, myself included, you get close to that six month mark and you know the work's not done, right? but there's this little bit of like a, 
oh, wait, I, I had it in my head. I knew I could commit for six months and now I have to keep going. And it's just a little realigning, readjusting and, you know, popping a few pops and just getting back on track and just sticking with it. But I think that was around the time I also had this moment of complete understanding that I was going to be in this for however long it took in some capacity. Um, and yeah, not being so attached to when, because just like you, the first thing for me that I noticed was also the shift in the mood and what it Mm -hmm. was, was hope. It was like, just even watching those first few days, the program, it's like hope is just pouring into my body, being Mm -hmm. understood, feeling not alone. Like, cause like you said, you realize that you actually had these symptoms since childhood, but you just thought it was who you were. Like you Mm -hmm. had chemical sensitivities and you didn't know that, you know, um, chemical sensitivities was a thing. You just thought it was your normal. Right. And so when we start learning about all of this, we're like, Oh my God, I'm not alone. Oh, there's possibility. (laughs) Yes, for sure. And it just takes, that takes pressure off. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, it's funny too, because I was also like you as a child, I had so many, what we could now call it's, but as a kid, you just, you you don't know. And our parents, they don't know. And you're just going through all this stuff and you think it's just totally normal. Mm -hmm. And now we find out, Oh no, I actually have the capacity to be extremely healthy, vibrant and have optimal well being. (laughs) Yes. It's crazy what we have in this society come to accept as normal just because it's common. Right. That's perfectly said. Yeah. Very true. Normal does not mean, or common does not mean it's normal. Right. Um, so I have a couple questions. One, you said how, when you were doing your brain retraining that you every day did your rounds And then you also really worked on elevating your mood throughout the day, but yours and working with your whole family. So two part question, did you notice shifts in like your children as you were shifting and changing? Because they say that children are so such, I mean, we're all energetic beings, but they're so, so like sponges of energy. Mm -hmm. And so often when a parent shifts, the child shifts with them. Did you notice? Yes. Yes, I noticed for sure. And it was, it just really um, opened my eyes to how my energy was affecting them. Mm -hmm. Um, And I would elevate my mood. And like I said, I would do the same for them. And it might be something as simple as, hey, look out the window. Look how cool the cloud looks right there. Just bringing beauty to them, just trying to find ways to distract because we were all a little uncomfortable with everything that we were going through. And I was trying to teach everyone, including myself, to focus on what was going right instead of what was going wrong. And um, my kids are definitely like, I feel like I'm such a calming force in my house now, whereas I can't say that was the case before. Right. Yeah, very common. What a gift. What a gift to to have something that you probably had no idea. It started out as a quest to heal something physically. And mm-hmm. now you can actually say that you, not only for yourself, but teaching your whole family to notice what's right. Because, yes. I mean, we're dealing with a brain that has a negativity bias, period. We're not like wrong or bad or that nothing's wrong with us because we have a negativity bias. It's literally ingrained in our brain. It's our primal brain state. So to be able to use your will and retrain your brain in a way that helps you and your family see the good first is so huge. Yeah, I agree. I totally agree. And they're going to be so brilliantly set up for success. <laughs> and even now, like I, I find them when they start to say something negative, they'll replace it with a positive because they're so used to me saying, oh, no, what's the bright spot in that? Let's let's reframe that. What can we look forward to in that? So it's it's definitely helping our whole house. Absolutely. Um, and so the second part of that question you see a shift in them. 
Has your husband and your children seen a shift in you along the way? You know, I feel like they have. I know my husband says that he can see a difference. My um, oldest daughter, she makes comments to me all the time about how positive I am and how happy I am. And and I just know that I wasn't like that, um, you know, in the past. And so when she says that, I know that she sees she sees the change. Yeah, that's so beautiful. Yeah. So, okay. So speaking of emotions and how you will notice that even your children can start to say something negative and they're able to catch themselves and shift. Mm -hmm. I do believe, um, I don't know how much you've studied Dr. Joe Dispenza's work. He talks a lot about emotional addictions, which Mm -hmm. are basically these patterns of emotions that we get like almost from a physiological perspective addicted to, it's not conscious, it's not a choice, right. but it's like noticing what are the dominant emotions showing up in my life all the time? Am I always feeling sad? Am I always feeling angry? Am I always frustrated? And so these are often not actually very true emotions. They're just this almost like habitual response to life. Mm -hmm. And I think it's so important to distinguish because emotions are real. There are emotions. They're very real. And it's important for us to honor our true felt emotions so as to not repress, suppress uh, them and have them show up later in life and cause problems, which was probably part of the culprit to begin with in Olympic um, impairment. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's, I find like, it's very interesting because I think there's a difference between these kind of chronic emotional like addictions versus a real honest situation happening that brings out emotion. You know, there's, we can have grief, we can have loss, we can go through stuff that elicits an honest, a very normal natural response to be angry or to feel sad. So how do you find that you create space for yourself and your children to honor the emotions that are warranted so for myself personally like especially since I've recovered and I kind of know the difference between what you just said like a habitual response and something that's warranted if I get upset about something I let myself feel it but the thing is now I move on quickly like I feel it I recognize it and then I decide I'm I'm gonna move forward Whereas before, anything could, could cause that response, and I would never let it go. It would just, I would keep thinking about it, keep dwelling on it, come back to it, revisit it, revisit it again and again. The rumination. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, they say that uh, the average emotion has a lifespan of 90 seconds when, it's, when we don't attach a story to it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's, yes. yeah, it's usually, um, it's usually the story that we end up ruminating on rather than, or if we just deny it altogether. So yeah, it's like, Hey, I have an emotion. It's warranted. I'm going to, I'm going to feel it right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and then maybe I'm going to laugh and then I'm going to move on. Yes. And I've mm-hmm. taught, I've taught my girls that the same thing. Like I listen to them, we talk about it, I let them feel it. And then once we talk about it, it's time to, to move forward from it. Because yes. as you know, when you keep replaying it, it's going to stick around. Absolutely. Yeah. And I know that some people, it's a very interesting fine line. Again, through conversation, I've kind of picked up and noticed where people kind of struggle or they're not, you know, they become like afraid of an emotion or Mm -hmm. uncertain how they're supposed to respond. And I know a conversation I had with a friend was all about this, like, Hey, there's a very real, like there's a distinct difference between allowing these ruminating thoughts or these emotional addictions to keep surfacing versus feeling a warranted feeling. And I always think, how brilliant is it that say if something does happen that causes an emotional reaction that is warranted, I get to fully allow myself to be with that feeling. And I have this beautiful tool where I can make a conscious decision to also elevate my mood. Yes. It's not like in my brain, in my mind, it's not an either or I get, I get to do both. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, What are some of the other tools that you use besides strictly rounds? So I, 
always have done a gratitude practice in the morning and at night. And what this looks like, for instance, as soon as I wake up in the morning, I smile and I just say, today is going to be a great day. And as I'm walking through my house to kind of get everything ready for the morning, I'm saying things out loud, what I'm grateful for. Like, I'm grateful that I'm back in my house. I'm grateful that I'm looking out of my window at my trees in my backyard while I'm making lunches. Like I'm literally just going through a gratitude practice and it's simple as the coffee that I'm drinking. It tastes good. I'm so grateful for, you know, the warm air that's coming through my AC right now, just anything. And I do the same thing at night. I lay down and I bring myself to the present moment and I'm grateful for you know, my soft pillow and my sheets and my family. And I just want gratitude to be the first thing that comes to mind when I wake up and the first thing on my mind when I go to sleep. So that mm-hmm. is something that I, um, I mean, now it's, it's just a habit. It's automatic. Whereas before I had to really work for that, work towards that. Now it just, it's, uh, it's automatic. I don't even think about it. Yeah, that's so, so good. So that's one thing. And then I, um, I try to take in um, the good, meaning I, I, I think you and I have talked about Rick Hansen before and how, um, you know, his book, Hardwiring Happiness, it teaches you to just be in the present moment and to be um, aware of, of beautiful, simple things in your day. And I do that all day long as well. Um, I'm also, will get on YouTube and watch some funny videos if I need to. I love listening to um, books on tape. I love being outside in nature. Sometimes it just takes, you know, a few deep breaths outside in nature to kind of calm me and um, reset if I need a reset. But those are my my basic go-tos. And exercise. I love exercising. So I try to do that um, at least five to six days per week. That is awesome. How about during the year that you were rewiring particularly before like the seven month mark when you were still having an experience of many it's were you still exercising or you know how did that look for you how were you able to incorporate movement at the time so I was still exercising but it didn't didn't look like what I'm doing now it was at a very um low intensity level but Mm -hmm. I still did it because I always have loved to exercise and I just wanted to kind of feel like myself basically. So I would walk on the treadmill. I would lift, um, light weights when I felt, um, when I felt good enough to do that. Um, and even just being outside walking would be enough to kind of elevate my mood. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. I love movement. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) Um, okay. So when, so regarding taking in the good, yeah, even when you were saying what you do for gratitude, mm-hmm. that I was totally thinking of that book. I was like, oh, this is like taking in the good throughout yes. your day, just mm-hmm. being super cheesy and corny and saying, oh, this coffee, it's so delicious and it smells amazing yes. and creamy. And yeah, I do it when I'm walking, just like look at all these different colored green textured trees right now, or now noticing if a leaf just starts like, floating down to the ground yes yes all the little things but yeah you know for anyone listening it does take practice it's I really like speaking of Dr. Rick Hansen and I've said it in the previous episodes but it's such a good reminder he says we use our mind to change our brains to make our minds better and to break that down It's using our conscious minds Mm -hmm. through awareness to create a shift in our brains, our neural pathways, to therefore impact and influence our unconscious, subconscious mind, which is where so much, uh, 95% of the time, it's where we're creating from and manifesting from. So we may as well use the conscious mind to influence the subconscious programming. Yes. And it does take time, but it is so worth it to create these new um, these new programs in our subconscious mind that support gratitude and appreciation and joy. 
I agree completely. And that was another thing towards the end of my retraining. I really was aware of the control that my prefrontal cortex had over my limbic system. So that just gave me a lot of courage and determination when I was having, you know, pops or anything that um, my limbic system would try to throw my way. I would just remember that I am in control. I'm in control of my reaction. I'm in control of what I pay attention to. And that would always just bring me to the present moment and kind of make me aware of like, what's really going on here. Absolutely. And did you have any like, okay, how do I want to ask this? Did you have any, like, how did you help yourself become aware? Do you know what I'm saying? Cause sometimes if we're just so unaware, how do we be aware? Yeah. So do you have any tips or suggestions for anyone listening as far as what helped you to just bring the present into your awareness more frequently to notice how you were showing up or what thoughts were kind of playing in the background? I just always paid attention to everything that I was thinking because I had a lot of negative thoughts. We had a lot of stress going on or, you know, around us at the time. And I just was making sure that I was not dwelling on it. And so I check in a lot. What am I thinking right now? Am I smiling? Am I like, what's going on? And when I would catch myself with a negative thought, I would reframe immediately. So in the beginning, I had to do that all day. Like it was nonstop. And then, you know, you, you start to develop habits of where you're a very good, curious observer. And so um, things would calm down. And, you know, when I'd have a spike, I'd have to get back on it and make sure what, what am I thinking? Um, because I think during the tough times of your retraining is when you really, really have to dig deep, pay attention to what you're thinking, what you're entertaining, um, and to, to really think greater than you feel. And that is always easier to do when you're having a great day. It's a lot harder to do when you're not feeling so great. Absolutely. And yet those moments that you can do it in the harder moments is when you really yield the biggest results. Well, and that's the like neuroplastic gold. Like that's when you're actually rewiring your brain. Mm -hmm. So, so did you have a practice speaking of gratitudes? um, Did you have a practice of celebrating your wins and celebrating yourself and acknowledging the good, you know, the good you were doing and acknowledging when you were able to show up for yourself? Yeah. So I used to, I used to make a list of all of my positive shifts. And then what I would do is I, every three months I would write a blog on the forum. And that was kind of a commitment that I made to myself um, to kind of hold myself accountable to. And I made sure that I just um, was paying attention and congratulating myself. And self-compassion was something that I think was not a normal thing for me until I started retraining and learning how important it was. Yeah, absolutely. It's so huge. It really is. To just to hold space for yourself Mm -hmm. and to have great extend grace to yourself. And then to also just, gosh, it's so nice to pat our own backs and just acknowledge like, Hey, what you're doing for yourself is not, it's simple, but it's not easy. And you keep showing up every day. And I'm so proud of you. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, It's, it's a good way to also retrain that, you know, and pop the pop, uh, the pop and that voice that says, you didn't do good enough. You did you know, it's like, instead of saying, oh my God, I only did two rounds today. I'm not good enough. It's like, oh my God, you did your very best today. You did two rounds. That's so beautiful. Thank you for showing up for me. <laughs> yes, exactly. That's been a huge way for me to really work through those old pops. Mm-hmm. I think that's great. Um, and of course, you feel a little corny at first, but that's okay. <laughs> yeah, it did. It definitely took some getting used to. Like, I was like, what am I doing? This is so crazy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so I know that 
in a little while ago, you mentioned that when you were moving into your home and while you were living there, that what you would do in your visualizations is create these visualizations that incorporated really fun, happy, Mm -hmm. good quality times in your home. And it sounds like you also did that leading up to your vacation. Yes. What did you actually do incremental training? And if so, what were some of the ways that you incrementally trained uh, different it's? So, okay. So I incrementally trained with certain foods and I'll give you an example. When I was retraining with gluten, I would, um, I started off just like smelling the item and then I would hold it in my hand and then I would like put a little bit on my tongue and then eventually I'd take a little bite and then I would work my way up to like having it out at dinner with friends. And then eventually, like, it was just no big deal. Like, I could eat it fine. So I did food, and then I did um, chemicals. I retrained around perfume because that was um, that was a pretty big thing for me. And, and my friends, none of my friends even knew any of this. So they're probably going to listen to this and go, what? I had no idea. So I would um, – I would – do many arounds where I was around people with perfume and I would put that in my visualization of just being around all of my friends and smelling the wonderful scents and just being like not making a story out of it, just enjoying doing whatever I was doing. I also retrained around, um, some like some mold covered items that I had from my home. I did that for a while where I would put them in a, put it in a bag and hold the bag. And then eventually I would just hold it because I was trying to retrain around the fear of it. Mm-hmm. And eventually I was not af- afraid anymore. I was, I, I realized that, you know, it's not the mold. It's my brain. My brain's afraid of the mold. So, mm-hmm. um, and then at the very end, when I basically had nothing else to incrementally train on, I was basically retraining around these two it's that um, would come and go. And I would think of the it and then go into a round. And in my rounds, I would just make sure that I was um, doing something really fun and amazing. And I would, you know, be very vocal about how I was feeling in my rounds. I was happy. I was calm. I was clear headed. I had this deep sense of well-being. Just anything that I wanted to portray, I would say it over and over and over again. That's awesome. So did, did you, did you see a theme in terms of when you were doing incrementally training, let's just say for the example, well, really any of them, whether it was the mold, the uh, smells or mm-hmm. foods, did you have like a general theme of how long or how often you had to train at step one before you could kind of move on to step two? And how did you know when it was time to shift steps? So what I did is I, Each week, I would try to increase what I was doing. So for a solid week, I would, let's say if I was just, you know, smelling the food, and then I would increase what I was, I would basically try to do a little bit more each week. That's how I did it. And it just, and I was just ready. I was like, here we go. Let's go. I'm jumping in. Mm -hmm. I'm facing the And did you ever, did you ever still experience any it's from it? No, I did not. No. no. Okay. Because I was going to say, how did you respond to those? Well, and I will say, like, I, I, I do want to say this. Um, at one point when I was retraining around um, chemicals, I had a point where, like, I wasn't affected by them. But then, let's say two months later, I might have an experience where I maybe noticed them a little more or gotten, like, a little bit of an it. And... I would redirect very quickly. And what I learned is it's the story that you attach to it. Do mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like if, if you make a, like if I were, was going to make a big deal out of it, then it's almost like that your limbic system just starts releasing that, that cortisol and then that it gets worse. So I just learned that, um, you know, depending on your, if your limbic system is activated, sometimes things come and go. And you just kind of roll with it and know that it's not going to be there forever. Absolutely. Yeah. I've been learning that. Um, yeah. I didn't do any incremental training for the first year. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
I have been incorporating it now (laughs) and I'm very much learning that like, Oh, just noticing how I didn't even have a physical response to something. I had a fear response Mm -hmm. (laughs) like, wait, wait, there's actually nothing wrong with that. Nothing's happening to me. It's actually just my fear. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Um, how often did you, so if you did say like the food one, you said weekly, you tried to increase to another step. Mm-hmm. Did you focus on one incremental training at a time or did you do a couple different ones per day? I did three per day. Of different? Three I different did. Ones? I did mold. I did chemicals and I did food. I cool. did. And, I, and some people that's not, that is not for everyone, but right. for me, yeah. um, that's, I was, that's how I did it. And it, it worked out for me. That's awesome. Yeah. And I do want to emphasize that to the listeners that there's, we're talking about all this, but there's not a one size fits all. And it's, I think it's really, again, about personal experimentation. Mm -hmm. Maybe, I mean, I've talked to other people who really benefited from focusing on one, one incremental training tool at a time for a couple weeks and other people focus on a couple at a time or, you know, multiple. It's all about just noticing how it feels in your body and the response that you're having. Yes, for sure. Well, there was one thing I wanted to mention too, because I feel like this is pretty important. Just um, to let everybody know that your symptoms are not an indicator of progress. My symptoms stayed up until the very end. And that's not going to be everybody's case. But I guess the reason I'm saying this is don't get discouraged if your symptoms aren't changing. Um, Sometimes it, it literally will change right when you're recovered. Yes, yes. Symptom, uh, symptoms slash its are definitely not an yeah. indicator of progress right. at all because there is so much shifting in our brain and our body and our physiology, whether or not we can see it on the outside yet. And I always like to say and remind, it's like, for example, I'm not sure your age, but I'm 40. And it's like this constant reminder of, I didn't get here overnight. Right. I'm, I start, you know, I my, what I had in my physical body, the illness and pain was a manifestation that was building over 40 years mm-hmm. of, you know, trauma or stored trauma and emotional repression and false associations that developed over time from an impaired limbic system. So it's very much, you know, we got to, we got to chip away and allow these, these changes internally to really happen. But yes, the physical manifestation is not is not the indicator of whether or not we're healing. Right. And I do, I think also towards the end, um, there was two symptoms that would really get my attention. They would get me um, emotional. And when I started to just kind of release that and start having an attitude of, I know they're going to go away because they always do, um, that's kind of when they stayed away. Mm-hmm. It's I indifference. It, it is. And I do, I feel like our reaction to our symptoms also, you know, tells our limbic system if it's safe to shut off that fight or flight response. Um, so I think our reaction is, is really big and um, how quickly the symptoms are going to stick around or not. Yeah, I agree completely. It's, um, and with that said, just, also having a level of compassion that it's that what we're saying is not doesn't make it easy you no, know i mean not at I've all. been the person who was flying high for months and then all of a sudden had this crazy ebb come in and i th- and you know of course my initial reaction is fear like yes oh my god nothing's working i just what did i do wrong i regressed i'm back at square one and then you have to bring it's okay it's okay you have Right. How the feelings come up, the fears come up, and then just notice them and bring yourself back to center. For and sure. And now I can just, after I have those moments, now I can just almost laugh and say, oh my gosh, this is actually a testament and evidence that I must have made some really big positive shifts because, mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> you know? For sure. I know. Yeah. But it's not easy. But it's it is not. It. It's definitely worth it. It is mm-hmm. definitely, definitely worth it. And that's Absolutely. the one thing that I would say too to the listeners is, you know, don't give up. Um, your brain has no choice but to change. If you do the work, your brain's going to change. Yep, yep. Our brains can change until the last breath. Exactly. And yeah, I mean, 
it's, it's very true. I definitely think it can be easy sometimes to give up before some, you know, a lot of times I wouldn't even doubt if it's right before the, the big breakthrough, because sometimes right before that big breakthrough, things can even feel like you did regress or start over. And that's not the case. When I was seven months at the seminar, I probably had one of the biggest spikes I've ever had there. And I recovered three months later. Yeah. And that doesn't surprise me at all. Or maybe it was four months. Yeah. Cause it was August. Yeah. So, um, but it's true. You never know when you're going to have the big breakthrough. So you just got to mm-hmm. keep going. Yeah, absolutely. So what do you feel like, um, is your biggest was in your past with the repro with the retraining program? What okay. do you feel like was kind of like the biggest struggle or just the hardest thing for you to get through it? Okay. The biggest struggle I would say in the beginning, the pops, the doubt and the fear were constant. I can remember popping pops all day long. And finally I would just tell my husband I'm going to bed because it was just so exhausting because my brain was just in this loop of constant fear and worry And I knew that I was not supposed to be entertaining any of this. So I would say in the beginning that that was pretty tough for me is to just, you know, pop the pops and and to think greater than I felt. That was really challenging in the beginning. Mm -hmm. But you just kept going forward. I kept going. And, you know, I would get these little glimpses of, um, of feeling good. I would get these moments of reprieve and that would just be enough. To, to keep on pushing. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah. And what, what's your, what do you feel like is the greatest gift in all of this and the whole experience? So I think the greatest gift was that I'm, I was able to develop this deep sense of joy and gratitude for the present moment. Like I spent most of my life rushing around and, thinking about either what had happened in the past or planning on something in the future that I rarely just marveled in the present. And so I feel like that that's, it's, it's a very good tool to have to be able to stay present and to be content and joyful with the here and now. Absolutely. And you feel like, like, do you ever wonder if you didn't have the physical symptoms, if there would have been enough drive to still get you there to do the work? I don't think so. I think that I had to be really, really, really uncomfortable. And, you you know, I, I started having symptoms in 2016, and I didn't do anything until 2018. So it had to, it had to be really, really bad. You, you see what I'm saying? Like, yeah, yeah. I needed, I needed to, like, to to fall completely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's a common theme I hear is like, you had to almost get to that place of desperation. Yeah. To do, to be like, I'm willing to do anything. (laughs) And I'm, I'm so grateful for, for my journey because, um, I I feel like I'm truly living like this really happy, great life. And I'm glad that I can, um, be a good mom to my, to my girls. Cause my, my daughters are, you know, 12 and eight. So they have a long time at home with me. And so I just, I'm glad that I was able to do that before, um, you know, they're off to college. Right. Yeah. And then you get to impart that gift of presence with them. For sure. Yes. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what, what would be, like one message that you would give the listeners wherever they're at in their journey, whether they're already in a retraining program, whether they're maybe doing, you know, self healing from a slightly different perspective um, through like emotional release work, or maybe they're just in the pain, physical or emotional, and they don't even know where to begin. What's, what's your advice? I would, I would say whatever, wherever you are right now, I would say, put your mind 
to, to retraining, to healing yourself and don't give up. It, it's, it's a journey that's hard, but the recovery is so worth it. And I would also recommend doing, start doing some type of gratitude practice during your day. I think that had a huge impact on my recovery. And that's something as simple that you can do while you're driving in your car or, you know, putting your makeup on or taking a shower um, and try to elevate your mood during the day. I feel like, I mean, I really didn't do that before I started DNRS. Um, and now it's something that I make sure I incorporate into every single day. Yeah, absolutely. And it's really empowering to, to be aware of that and to say, oh, I actually have a choice. I can, yeah, I can choose to do whatever I want to do to elevate my mood. It's so empowering. It is. And, you know, even I, I did a lot of laughter yoga and sometimes I would do it um, on Zoom in a group or sometimes I would just do it by myself when I was, you know, taking a shower or blow drying my hair. And that's the beautiful thing. Your brain doesn't know if you're, you know, you're laughing for real or if you're, you're faking. So you right. can start producing those feel good chemicals just at your house by yourself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I do that. I do often put a little uh, challenge at the beginning of shows and I have people try to laugh for like 60 seconds, even if it's fake. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> My newest, um, little laughing tool is, uh, to pick out a jingle of a song and instead of humming it or whistling it, it's to laugh it. Oh, I like that. <laughs> it sounds hilariously ridiculous and awesome. <laughs> That's funny. I like it. Yeah. And my brother who lives with me, he just stares at me like I'm nuts. But you know what I think? Screw it. I'll be nuts if it means healing and feeling better. For sure. I agree. I would, I would do anything. I'm with you on that one. Yeah. And, and laughing in your car. It's a great time to do laughing. Yes. You know, yes. I just like, I'll sit there and just explore like, how can I sound like what different types of laughter can I create? Right. <laughs> oh, it's awesome. Laughter's such good medicine. It really is. I was wondering, did you, in addition to doing like the, to the dynamic neural retraining system, did you have any other references or did you read any books that were just really helpful for you on this journey that you would recommend? So I read Joe Dispenza's breaking the habit of being you. And I did, um, I did some of his meditations, but like you, it was hard to kind of do everything because there's so many things that you want to do. Um, you know, pull out your tools. So I did do some of his meditations towards the end. I know Annie recommends waiting, you know, six months before you start meditating. But I, again, I would, I would tell the person, do what feels good to you because there's no right or wrong. Um, and then I read, um, as I mentioned, the Rick Hansen's hardwiring happiness. And that's, that's pretty much, um, those are the only ones that I, I have completed. I'm, I have Neuroderma in my um, Dharma in my Audible. I just haven't started it yet by Rick Hansen. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. he's a really good writer. He is. He's amazing. He really just breaks it down so simplistically. And I really appreciate that, you know, for, and I, I strongly recommend hardwiring happiness for the fact that if there is anyone who, is in a place where they're like, I cannot commit one hour a day. Mm -hmm. I think Rick does a phenomenal job of really showing us um, with practical tools how to create new pathways and create shifts in our brain throughout our day in under a minute at a time. You know, just really simple, quick change state um, tools that we can just really incorporate into our life um, immediately and every day throughout the day. Yes, I, I would agree 100% with that. Um, so I guess I want to ask uh, for all the listeners is what are you up to now, Nikki? What's Nikki up to in this world now that she feels that she has reached her emerge and thrive phase of healing? Well, I am I'm coaching a couple of people right now and I am taking classes online. I um, 
I just finished two of Rick Hansen's courses, his positive neuroplasticity courses, and I'm signed up for his Foundation of Well-Being course that starts in January. I am playing tennis again. I'm enjoying my family and my friends. I can honestly say that I'm living a full and abundant life. That's amazing. Yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. And when you say you're coaching clients, do you mean with brain retraining and healing or a different kind of coaching? No, just um, just a couple of clients that are um, currently doing DNRS. Okay, so you're just um, coaching them as a support? Yes. Yes. Awesome. Yes. That is awesome. When yeah. one of those clients reach their emerge and thrive face, send them my way. I will. <laughs> Don't you worry. <laughs> They'll be the next story yes, of I possibility. Exactly. <laughs> and where can people find you and connect with you? So I'm on Instagram. I'm under um, Nikki DNRS and that's N I K I. And then, um, you can share my email and your show notes if they want to reach me by email. Okay. And are you, is it, is your mission to become like a full-time coach or a part-time coach or is it just more on a case by case basis? So I, I would like to become a full-time coach um, and maybe even a DNRS coach one day. Awesome. So yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah. I'm open. Is there any, uh, let's see, anything that we haven't covered? Anything else that you feel really inspired or called to share with anyone listening that we haven't talked about already? I feel like we've covered um, covered everything, but I just want to thank you for what you're doing. Um, this is amazing. I, I was, my, one of my biggest lifelines during my retraining was listening to recovery stories. I was like searching the web um, you know, getting on the DNRS website and listening to all of the, um, recorded recovery stories. So I think this is an amazing thing that you're doing. And I think that this is going to give people a lot of hope. So thank you. Oh, thank you. It's just really fun for me. I feel really lucky. It's well, awesome. <laughs> yeah. I just feel like super lucky that I had this idea and I felt really called into it. And I'm glad that I, didn't let um, insecurities or fears hold me back. And I'm, I'm glad that I stepped into it and through those fears. Yeah, for sure. Well, I just wanted to say thank you again for, you know, your time and being willing to be vulnerable and share your story. I honestly admire anyone who shows up on the other side of uh, this, you know, <laughs> this uh, screen from me and is willing to share their story because I honestly believe it takes a huge amount of vulnerability to talk about some of this stuff. It's not always easy. You know, like you said that if any of your friends listen to this, they might learn things that they didn't even know you were going through. And I think there's a, you know, that's just, I right. think that's a really powerful experience to share our stories. I think it's a huge part of our healing. So thank you for that willingness. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And um, I will make sure that people have uh, your information and know how to get in touch with you and stay connected. Sounds great. All right, friends, that is a wrap. My hope, as always, is that there was some nugget, some golden nugget in today's episode that brought you hope or gave you an aha moment. If you have a healing story that you would be open to sharing, please reach out to me and let's connect. And until next time, make this week great.